Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. The first degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. The first degree. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life. Like, they really, truly must have hated her to want to go to that extent. And, you know, it's, it's easy to, to steal money, but I think this was about so much more than that. I think they were, they were really just out to get revenge. Hey guys, welcome to the First Degree, the true crime podcast that you might end up on. My name is Jack Vanek. I'm sitting across from Alexis Linkletter and next to Billy Jensen, two of my besties. We are fucking best friends now. How fun is this, <laughs> we Billy? We have forced Billy to become our best friend, but you like it. Tell the world you like Tell it. Tell them about the softer side and how they can find you. The softer side. If anybody's listening to this. <laughs> help me. <laughs> help me. Send help. <laughs> yeah, the thing is that that's sad is like they can't see your eyes like yeah, screaming yeah, exa- help me. Yeah. Yeah, so you just have to give them some like subliminal messaging while we're recording. All right, but I'm going to tell you guys what the holiday Your is. Your love for us? It's Happy Bat Appreciation Day. I like that. Yeah. Are there any... Uh... Well, you got Batman, of course. You got Batman. Who's considered the world's greatest detective, and some people will argue that Sherlock Holmes is the world's greatest detective. They have met in the comics before. But uh, I do like that. But also it is... National Cheese Ball Day. Which is you. I'm a cheese ball? Yeah, or I like you're, cheese you're ball. totally a cheese ball. Uh, I'm, no. And you like cheese too. You're no, a little bit of a cheese your ball. Your boy crush, man crush, Jerry is a cheese ball. Aww. He's the biggest cheese he ball. Is, he is a cheese ball. Jerry, Billy loves Jer- you. Jerry, where, where, where is he? Jared is currently... He's on tour? Like, where, where is he, though? We find he is currently he is. on a plane en route to Europe right now. Ah. They're doing a little European ah, stint. A little European stint. Okay, but it is also National Bookmobile Day. Do you guys remember the Bookmobile? I do. Yes. Oh, the Bookmobile was amazing. Was it like book fairs? And, yeah, no. it was, but it came on like a motorhome. It came motor on the street. Home. Yeah. Like, and, it was like the ice cream man. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But with books... And it's also school... You know libra- they're not doing that anymore. And it's also Sad. school librarian's day. No. So it's a so very, it's a big, like, a, a liter- literature-heavy day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. day. I'm into that. I like the cheese balls the best. I would love a Cheetos cheese puff. Ooh. Right now, doesn't that sound good? You Cheesy wanted a ball. crunchy snack. Under- oh, badly. I know. Really? We need we need some crunchy snacks. We're holding off on snacks. Yes. Okay. So um, I'm, I'm keeping on the train of uh, bad reviews. Today's bad review comes from alexandra n.e i'm just gonna really call these people out yeah okay 
The subject is meh. It can be better. <laughs> you do a podcast and tell me how easy it is. I actually don't know how hard it is to do a podcast. Do you know how much research we have to... At least a week yeah. per episode. Just reading about it before we even dive into making an outline. And then a two-hour interview on the phone. Yeah. And then scheduling us. Yeah, but she's like, meh. You know, what does she Honestly, say? Honestly, Alexandra, pros. The stories are different and it has a great perspective with the guests that hmm. actually knew the victims or murderers. Yes. Cons. Most of these stories are taking too long to tell. I keep yelling in the car, get to the point already. I don't want to hear your long opinions. One woman takes too many breaks between words. We know who that, <laughs> that is. That gives me anxiety. That would be me, Alexis. I think the group needs to work on storytelling a bit because the storylines are broken apart too much with opinions. I really want to keep listening to the podcast. So that's why I'm providing feedback. It has too much, so much potential, but I think I'll listen at a later date. Okay, I have to say. I appreciate the feedback. Appreciate the feedback. However, our podcast is like a mix of storytelling, mixed with opinions, mixed with banter, mixed with like a little bit of like. There's also like Billy's experience and like my experience and, and my non experience. No, but you experience life in the weirdness that it is. But here's the thing: there are different types of podcasts. If you would like to listen, not to a, a podcast, podcast that is a scripted one. You can listen to Sword and Scale. You can listen to True Crime Garage. You can listen to Case File. There are a lot of other podcasts that, if you want the story or like a Wikipedia yes. entry, that's what those are. That's not our podcast. Right. That is not our podcast. Billy are, didn't even know what this story you. was until ten minutes ago. I did not know <laughs> what we were doing until ten minutes ago. So yes, that is exactly. <laughs> no, we right. rely so I, on Billy for his opinion because yes. he doesn't really know what we're doing, but he's an expert. Yes. And we are going to be like, hey, da da da, here's the crime. You're like, oh, yeah, that's I, a ta- and I can. Uh, there's also this other crime in 1967. And, and I studied religious studies, <laughs> and I have a reference that way too. And Paul Holes, that's what Billy's going <laughs> to do. That, is that what I said? <laughs> and you know, I'm friends with Paul. And then I'll be like, I'll be like, I'm friends with Paul Holes. No, by the way, I yes. solved a murder, and Paul Holes, and. Theology, and, and that would be his answer. And I wrote a Rolling Stone theology. article once. And I wrote a Rolling Stone article, and I like theme parks. And also, for those of you who say we make fun of Billy, I've never seen Billy happier than when he's with us. Billy thrives in this environment, and he knows what he's on board for. Oh, I know what I'm. We don't hold into. a gun to his head to come back every week. Oh, Men me. love getting trashed. Oh I, my god, I, 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 we I, take him down a peg, and he fucking needs it. Yeah, it like turns him <laughs> on, right, Billy? <laughs> You're, you're saying I'm a sub right now. Is that, is that, is yeah, that what's going on? <laughs> kind of. You're into it. Anyways, right. should we get into our case, Lexus? I think so. But <laughs> I will say, transition. as the woman in that uh, in the comment, in the bad review, who yes. breathes weird. I mean, if you listen, you've already heard me. Um, breathing <laughs> is to stay alive. Yes. And if you're not on board, then you want me to die. <laughs> then you're a... <laughs> And I can't have that, but I really appreciate your criticism. Listen, Alexis can't die because the podcast would die with her. That, that is true. Seriously, if Alexis dies, oh my god, if can Alexis, you imagine if a podcast Alexis, with me and Billy? If Alexis is stopped, <laughs> yeah, we actually probably would have a good podcast. We would not we, about crime. It no, 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 crime. it wouldn't be about crime. We would just be making out the entire time. So. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Alexis, look at her. Shouldn't be stopped, but could be. But then you just have a makeout Jack and Billy <laughs> podcast. <laughs> that's some real ASMR shit. So if that's what you guys are on board for, Jared, then uh, somebody sorry, come and kill Alexis. Jared, please. Honestly, don't. would that not be the best ending to the first degree podcast <laughs> if Alexis died? If you died and Billy and I talked about it, you guys. The t-shirt Alexis Linklater must be stops already happening. But like, 
ding dong, Alexis Linklater is dead is a little morbid for me. I kind of like it though. Yeah. But nobody do it, please. No, nobody do that. And we, yes. <laughs> I will maybe. not have that. No, I do not want to put the last chapter of my book being that. No. Well, then you'd have to solve my murder. And it then would I would be have this to solve really? your murder. And it I could would, be a whole would, new book. Yeah, it could be a whole new book. Shit. By the way, Chase Doctors with me is out right <laughs> now at audible.com or Amazon. So. Yeah, buy and that when it comes out in print, maybe buy it then because me and Jack have a shout out in the book. You do have a shout out in the book. Yeah. Feeling good about it. But let's get we're in. just get started. And you've seen the shout out. You haven't seen the shout out. No, you told me about it. I, I told you I told you about the shout out, but you haven't seen it. What is that? It's good. Why don't you say tell everybody? It's so you, you, cheesy. You tell them. You Cheese tell ball? Them. I'm not gonna Cheese tell puffy? it. Cheese puffy. All right, all right. Here's what I say. I say to Alexis Linkletter for helping me soar. And for Jack Vanek for keeping me grounded. Tight. Tight. Jack fucking knocks him off that fucking high horse. Honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, you're not cool. Nobody cares. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> but like a lot of people care, but I like to pretend that nobody does. Mm-hmm. No, we love so you, Billy. I, We're happy for you. And everybody, you better buy that fucking book. Yes. I don't know if it's good yet because I haven't read it, but I'm sure dude, it's fine. Dude can write though. So, all right. Let's. let's for real, get started. So today's case. Wait, sorry, Alexandra, for all the fucking ten minutes of banter in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, sorry for the banter yeah. you said you didn't want, but this is who we are. <laughs> this is us. Let us laugh. Um, right, and if not, there's like a million other podcasts. Like we love. Please listen, but if you don't listen, love I, it, I named three. I just want you to be happy. If you're not into it, like I want you to be happy. Exactly, I do. So this case today takes us to Dallas Fort Worth area. And it's the day after Thanksgiving, November 28th, 2014, which is known in the retail world as dun, Black dun, dun. Friday. AKA the worst day of the year. Or the best, depending if you're a thrifty shopper. So you guys, today's first degree connection is Sarah. And she is going to tell us how her experience relating to our case today kind of unfolded from her perspective. I started working at American Eagle in October of 2014 um, when I started going to graduate school and I was looking for a job to kind of have um, to make some extra money on the side. And I was actually going to graduate school for forensic genetics. I'm a forensic scientist. Um, I met Ashley shortly into working there. She was one of the managers and uh, so she was one of the people that trained me. Um, all my managers were so nice. I remember Ashley being extremely kind and helpful and funny. Um, she you know, could be was serious when she had to be because um, she was a manager, but she was definitely a fun person to be around. Um, I remember her laugh. She was just definitely a funny, funny person. And I really enjoyed learning from her and being able to work with her. So the fire department is called on the morning of November 28th, 2014. They're summoned to a Fort Worth apartment complex at the 4700 block of King Ranch. And the person on the call said they believe the apartment above his was on fire because his carbon monoxide detector was going nuts. The water was leaking from the ceiling and, and dripping into his apartment. But when the firefighters arrive, they find a small fire. And they're expecting to find, you know, something, you know, they're, they're firefighters. They're expecting to, to, to put out a fire. But what they find in the bedroom of that apartment is the body of 31-year-old Ashley Harris. 
So I didn't hear anything until I believe it was Sunday and I got a phone call from Human Resources and so I answered the phone. It was Sunday, I remember, because I was uh, doing homework for school and I got a phone call and they said, um, we just wanted, this is American Eagle Human Resources and we just want to let you know that your manager, Ashley Harris, passed away um, this weekend and they may have specified the day. And I said, what happened? You know, what could have possibly happened? I just saw her, you know, a couple days ago. And they just said that there was a fire in her apartment. That's all they told me. And so I don't know if it's because I was going to graduate school for forensics or what, but just something in my head said that this, there had to be some more to this story. And Sarah's instincts were right because what the fire department and firefighters discovered when they entered Ashley's apartment and found her, it was anything but a normal house fire casualty situation. Her feet and hands had been bound with duct tape. Her body's face down on the floor. At the foot of the bed, she has obvious trauma to her face, her, her head, her neck, her throat. Her body is partially burned, along with several areas of the bedroom are burned, including her mattress. And there was also an empty bottle of rubbing alcohol that was found near her body. And the firefighter said that it appeared that the, the fire was started using accelerants. And they figured out, you know, uh, that this was probably somebody that was trying to start a fire for a murder scene. And we need to bring in the homicide detectives. Right. So Pilar Ramirez, who is a Fort Worth police crime scene investigator, was one of the first to arrive on the scene at around 9 a.m. Him and the other officers were trying to wrap their heads around what they were dealing with. There was this fire on top of this gruesome scene of murder. It was a whole lot to take in at once. And one of Ashley's neighbors told the police that he had heard a thump and screaming from the apartment a few hours earlier. And when the apartment was examined closely, they identified what appeared to be blood stains on the floor, bed railing, and the door. They took swabs of all the stains and they packaged them to be sent to the crime lab for analysis. And I just want to make a little note. It's very interesting, like... What you live in an apartment complex? Do you live in an apartment complex? Uh-huh. Like you hear noises and you don't think anything S- of them. Not screams, but like yelling sometimes. And it's interesting when you put things into perspective when something actually yeah. happens. And so I just really did a quick Google search, and it was immediately on the news. It was already there were already news stories about the fire and how she had been found, and that it was being investigated as a homicide and I kind of thought that it was a bit absurd that they didn't tell me wouldn't tell me you know that there was an investigation pending regarding how she died and you know they said grief counseling was available and I and everything but I just feel like that would have seemed a bit a little more useful to me had they given me the full story over the phone so I I was a bit upset that they didn't tell me that and so I found out really from Google and then when I finally got um, to work whenever I went to work next you know talking with my other managers and and saying 
they were saying what they had heard. It was definitely unsettling to hear that, you know, my safety at work could have been compromised, but I really found out all of it from the internet, from news articles. And I think that was even more unsettling to me a bit that that, that information wasn't really given to us in an official kind of way. So the investigators observed what turned out to be Ashley's wallet on the bathroom counter. And strangely, it had two $5 bills inside, which immediately suggested to them that they're not dealing with a robbery here because with such an overt, obvious display of money, you think just a criminal would just willy-nilly take it. So if robbery wasn't the motive here for this horrific crime, then what was it? And, you know, they were investigating and trying to figure out what that was. And meanwhile, the medical examiners were able to come and tentatively identify Ashley Harris by her tattoos. So they were able to then determine that she had suffered blunt force trauma to her face and head and trauma related to strangulation on her neck and throat, which likely was the cause of her death. And her throat was also slit, which is terrible so immediately the detectives wanted to speak with everyone in ashley's life because that's how they begin their investigations they start close and they work their way outward Mm -hmm. so obviously that included first her family then her friends neighbors co-workers so on so forth so it's at this point that they learn that ashley was actually an an assistant manager at the american eagle outfitter store at the hulan mall which was less than 10 minutes from her apartment so they start analyzing the scene, the police, and they notice that there's no forced entry. So that's the first thing, right? No forced entry. Ashley's next door neighbor and friend named Alexis Torres, she tells the police that Ashley often left her apartment door unlocked when friends were going to tend to her golden retriever named Nala. And Ashley also planned to work late on Thanksgiving night because Black Friday sale the the black friday sale actually started on thursday because that's what we keep doing we keep moving the black friday sale up and up and, and it up. starts on wednesday and then and then it's going to happen in august or whatever <laughs> so um alexis had actually agreed to check on ashley's dog for her and she said quote i would kind of camouflage that the door was unlocked by using my keys and pretending to unlock and lock her door so she would kind of when she was going into the door, she would like pretend that she was unlocking the door and then open it. And then when she would close it, she would pretend that she was locking so it if people, anybody else exactly. would, she, would, would see it. Right. And she said she had planned to take breakfast to Ashley Friday morning after a long work night and was surprised when she didn't respond to her text message. Alexis decided to go to Ashley's apartment anyway. Because they were good enough friends for that kind of thing. So they were just like, all right, I'm just going to check so on like She you. didn't respond, but I'm still going to yeah, bring yeah, her yeah. breakfast. Which I would do to you, Jack. Right. Thank you. <laughs> so this explained why there was no forced century, because the door was open. Ashley's yeah. attackers were likely inside waiting for her when she got there, or they snuck in and they ambushed her when she got there. Right. So the police spoke to the neighbors who lived on either side and below Ashley. When they questioned further, the original neighbor who called 911 told the investigators that as the fire fire alarm in Ashley's apartment was going off, 
He looked outside his window and he saw a black two-door Infiniti G35, which, fun fact, is the same car I had in high school. Really? Yeah, yeah. but a silver I one. Had a, well, you had a Mercedes when we lived together, like in 2008. I had Infiniti. I had a G20 and a G35 in high school. I feel silver. like that's like in a rap song. Yeah. <laughs> no, mine weren't that cool. All right, they were go, older. Go on. Uh, so there was this black two-door Infiniti G35 leaving from the parking spot in front of Ashley's apartment with its lights off. He says it's a car that he'd never seen before, so obviously he t- took note of that being there. The police then moved on to speaking with Ashley's team at American Eagle. The cops wanted to speak with them, all of them, to dig up info on who may have wanted to hurt her. But they also had to notify them that Ashley's keys had been stolen. This is important because Ashley had not only the keys to the store, but also the keys to the store's safe on her keychain. Mm, and it was okay. the only thing that was yeah. missing. So glaring piece of evidence. Yeah. Right. And the higher ups at American Eagle decided to change all the locks on at the store. And of course, of course, the attention is on the loss of their employee, but that's just, it seems like common sense. Like, yeah. if the only thing that's lost and stolen from this apartment during this homicide is the keys, what kind of weird malice shit mm-hmm. are, are we dealing with here? So, the police go to speak with the coworkers and with the higher ups and all of that and are kind of dealing with this. And they learn from Ashley's coworkers that Ashley had worked the night before from about 5 30 p.m. November 27th to about 3.12 a.m. the 28th in preparation for the store's Black Friday sales. We opened at 6 on Thanksgiving evening. And so I worked from um, 6 p.m. on Thanksgiving into the night. Uh, So I was working until... um, I was supposed to work until 3 a.m., and Ashley was working that night as well. I think everybody had to work. We needed kind of all hands on deck. And everyone was working. And Ashley was the um, manager once it, um, people started to um, kind of peter out into the middle of the night. And she actually let me leave early at 2 instead of 3. Um, so I believe that when this all happened, she ended up leaving at 3 or 3.30. She got home at 3.25 a.m., and met with a friend who left her apartment around 4.40 a.m. This means that Ashley had been murdered sometime between 4.40 a.m. and 7.30 a.m. when the carbon monoxide detectors had gone off in her downstairs neighbor's apartment and the water started coming through the ceiling. And that's, again, where the when the um, the firefighters came when right. after that call was made. Right. So word of what happens, what had happened to Ashley spread 50 of her friends, more than 50 of her friends, actually, gathers outside of her apartment. They have a vigil. They have a balloon release. They all cry. They all talk about Ashley. She was described as a friendly, positive person, loved by many, never talked ill of anybody. Her friend, Crystal Lee, told the media that they all want to keep her memory alive. She said, I think we should honor her and make sure the world knows what a great person she is. I just don't want what happened to her to go away. And they decorated the steps leading up to her apartment, and they wrote messages on it on balloons and, and left flowers. I was, I was definitely in a lot of shock at first. Um, it was she was the nicest person. She, you know, was caring and funny, and I, I feel like I 
got a lot from my experiences being around her, even though it was for such a short amount of time, only about two months. And, you know, I feel like she had probably so much more to give to the world. And, you know, she was only ever trying to do the right thing. But it was definitely, it kind of was like a punch in the gut. It was a bit of a punch in the gut more than anything else. So the police are combing through every facet of Ashley's life. They're starting close and working their way outwards, like Alexis was saying before. It didn't appear that Ashley had any enemies at all from the beginning. Everyone was talking about how wonderful she was and how good of a friend she was. And the police did learn something that caught their attention when they were interviewing more of her coworkers at American Eagle. So on August 24th, three months prior to her death, the American Eagle that she was working at was burglarized. Ashley was the one that reported that one of the store's assistant managers, as well as one of the store's employees, were could have been suspects in this burglary. The assistant manager was named Carter Cervantes. Cervantes. She was 27 years old, and the other employee was her boyfriend, Clarence David Mallory, and he went by David, and that's how we're going to refer to him in the story. Exactly. So apparently one night while Carter... We're going to call them Carter and David from now on. Carter and David. Those are their full names. So one night while Carter was working and closing the store alone, she was seen on surveillance footage leaving, whether it's intentional or accidentally, leaving the back door of the store unlocked. And after the store closed, a male in a hoodie is seen entering the store and going directly to the safe and unlocking it. More than $18,000 was stolen that night. And this theft had occurred the night after a huge back-to-school sale that the store was having. And in that case, the police suspected David used, David Mallory, used a safe key that Carter had stolen from another assistant manager while at work. And after the robbery, David, who was an employee, he failed or he never went back to work. He, he missed the next three shifts oh and was fired. God. Yeah. Which is the most obvious thing. You know, of course you're like, I got that money. I'm not going back to work. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, And so he never reported back to work. And of course, Ashley, who was another assistant manager there, reported to the higher ups that she suspected that Carter and Clarence, they suspected that Carter and David were responsible. And what's interesting is that Ashley really wanted to work for the store's loss prevention unit, like on a executive sort Mm -hmm. of higher up level and that's what she was working towards and this is obviously the division that tries to stop theft um, particularly internal theft so she spent a lot of time reviewing this security video footage and she's essentially the one that made the conclusion that David and Carter were the ones behind the theft Ashley was killed she had been killed in a terrible way she was bound and gagged and um and that they had set fire to her apartment. One of my managers said that she had a feeling that she knew who killed her and that it was probably those people that had previously stolen money from the store. Whisperings that I heard were basically that, you know, they had stolen money over the summer. Um, I mean, I think it was like $18,000. And I mean, that's not temp change. That's definitely still a significant amount of money and that they, I guess, um, were caught and were fired and they weren't happy about that. Um, But I had heard that um, Clarence, David, whatever his name is, um, 
he, I think, had lied to get a job at a different American Eagle after he was fired because they were banned from being hired again. And I heard that he may have, like, switched his Social Security number or something to get hired at a different store after the fact. So I don't know the full details on that, but one of my managers said that she knew that he had done some shady stuff to um, to try to get kind of back in. So Carter suspended and she's later fired. And after the internal investigation into the theft at the stores, so she admits to the store's manager that she had possibly left the back door unlocked. Quote, she responded that she did not see what the big deal was because the loss should be covered by insurance. Yeah. All right. So neither was charged nor arrested in the burglary, which is... You you know, that's one of the things that you see in retail stores. Okay, you know, we just want to be rid of it, but we don't get the uh, authorities involved in it. And when you don't get the authorities involved in it, something bad could happen. And this is what happens right here. But I think it's also one of those things where she's right, where insurance did cover it. Yeah. Yeah, But but you don't steal stuff. But but they couldn't. I think in their heads, they're like, we can't prove it. It's Mm -hmm. a guy in a hoodie. It could have been an honest honest mistake of Mm -hmm. her leaving the door open. So they're like, whatever, we're going to fire her. It's it's eighteen yeah. grand. We're pissed, but like right. it might not have been worth the headache of of pursuing more. Yeah, and by the way, eighteen grand is a lot in, of money. in the in the coffer in cash in two thousand fourteen when so many people are using credit cards is pretty impressive for an American Eagle store. Absolutely. I, I mean, I wear American Eagle jeans. I like them. They're <laughs> you good. do they're comfortable. Yeah, they stretch. Really? They're like they like got the three sixty stretch. They're awesome. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, I wish we had American Eagle sponsoring this episode yes, of the podcast. Exactly. We should have that, but they're just, they're not going to touch happen. this in a million years. Okay. So as the police were learning about all this, they wondered if this work situation could possibly have anything to do with this brutal murder. And they weren't really sure because it seems like it would be a pretty extreme escalation. To go from this theft to murder. And, but there was one detail about Carter that caught their attention. They learned that Carter drove what? A two door, two door black, black infinity, infinity G35 tight car. And they could find pictures of it on it, her Instagram because, yes. of course, she posted all, her car. Like, just don't. Br- uh, I mean, no. Well, just don't, don't, don't kill anybody. I mean, don't kill it. anybody. No, no, but like, right. post, yeah, no, post pictures of your of, of your car on Instagram. Just don't fucking kill anybody. No, yeah. you, the only time you're allowed to post pictures of your car if you drive a Maserati or above, and like a like an Infinity, it's like okay, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, cool. I, you I know, don't know. You guys are really. <laughs> Not Being getting dicks. the point here where it's don't kill anybody. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 don't kill anybody. And then it's the then idea of don't post, post. whatever you but want, like, don't but you don't like... kill anybody because the police will use your Instagram to find you. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Okay. So anyways, so the police were now curious enough about Carter and David to really look into them. They learned that David was only 21 years old and Carter was 27, being a cougar. They ran the plates on Carter's Infinity to get an address for the pair who lived together, and they started to conduct surveillance on the couple's apartment. Two days after Ashley's murder, the police watched their apartment and saw them come home at around 7.45 in the morning. Carter and David then got into the Black Infinity and drove to Holland Mall, where the American Eagle store where they used to work was located. 
David dropped Carter off at the mall's south entrance and then drove around the parking lot and parked away from the entrance. Carter then entered the mall. That's when officers approached David in the parking lot and questioned why he was at the mall so early because they were there at around 8 a.m. when the stores generally open around 10 and there's no reason for them to be there that early. Right. And they're they're following them. They're under surveillance due to these odd circumstances. So they already sort of know. I mean, it's I think part of them wanted to not believe like they couldn't possibly have conducted a horrible murder over robbing American Eagle. But like maybe that's what we're dealing with. Yeah. So. When David responded to the officers, he told them that he was waiting for his girlfriend who worked at Arapastal store inside that mall, which, of course, is not true. Um, they asked David for his driver's license. He didn't have one on him. So the police kind of seized this opportunity as an excuse to take him in and arrest him for not having a driver's license. Where normally, if you're a normal person who's not committing a crime, I've been let go for that. Mm-hmm. So they generally will if you don't seem like a degenerate, which is really nice. Um so when they brought him in, curiously, he was wearing a black ski mask pushed up on his head. Jesus. Come on. They suspected that David was involved. Um, so the police obtained a search warrant and in the car they found ski masks, a nine millimeter handgun, a single walkie talkie and a visual guide to lock picking in the vehicle. This is literally out of a fucking movie. A visual guide to lock picking. <laughs> right. So police searched the mall, but they couldn't find Carter. Later, though, they did find Carter at their shared apartment, David and Carter's shared apartment. And officers said they think that she walked home after going to the mall. She agreed to be taken to the homicide office for questioning. Meanwhile, though, the police also pulled the surveillance from the mall to see what Carter was doing while she was there. And in the footage, they could see that she was trying to enter the American Eagle store with a set of keys. Presumably these keys, you know, um, are Ashley's, but who knows? Mm-hmm. But this was early enough. It was 745. It was before any of the store employees would have arrived. And as we know, um, American Eagle changed their keys. So the keys did not, in fact, work. work. And the surveillance then showed her um, walking from the mall in the direction towards home. And in the, in the footage, she's confused because David's gone. And he was supposed to be waiting outside yeah, for her. Yeah, so she's like looking around where he went. Exactly. And she's like in her jammies. The whole thing's really weird. So another thing, though, is that she has worked at the store for a long time. This was right after a Black Friday sale. She would have known that there would have been a huge amount of cash in yeah. the safe at this time. Yeah, so on Black Friday and Thanksgiving, um, the crowds are insane. People just want to come in for the best deals and, you know, everybody wants to go shopping. Um, and so we had, we would have ended up with a lot of cash in the safe. And I'm sure that since they had worked there previously, they knew that there was going to be a pretty hefty amount of cash in the safe from all the sales that we were going to make those, those two days. Okay. 
Okay, so it comes as no surprise that I have absolutely no idea how to cook. I don't want to learn how to cook. It's not really my thing. But when I tried Factor meals, it was a freaking game changer. So Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Yeah, two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. So the first time I tried Factor meals, I was actually blown away because I'm like, that's it. That That's all it is. Two minutes and the meals are so delicious. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. And you can treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, ooh, fancy, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Like I said, they're so easy to prepare. I love them. So head to factormeals.com slash degree50 and use code degree50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code degree50 at factorymeals.com slash degree50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. It's almost summer and the best and most sustainable way to shop for a new season is on therealreal.com. The Real Real is the largest and most trusted source for authenticated luxury resale. It's the only place you'll find brands like Hermes, Cartier, Prada, Dior, Staud, Zimmerman, Jacquemus, and more for up to 90% off retail. 10,000 plus new arrivals land every single day from hundreds of brands you love, all authenticated by a team of in-house experts. Whether it's that perfect wedding guest look, a new summer sandal, an updated beach tote, resort wear for your summer vacation, you're bound to find exactly what you're looking for, plus deals you won't get anywhere else on therealreal.com. Visit therealreal.com and use code FIRST at checkout for 20% off. Terms apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. So luckily, American Eagle had changed their locks. So Carter hadn't been able to get in, but the police learned that there was somewhere between $40,000 and $50,000 in the store's safe. Again, that still boggles my mind in 2014 that that many people were using cash. I know, but they were. That is weird. You know what? East Coast, I feel like this... Well, I guess not East Coast sex. People use cash, though. I yeah. love using cash. Oh, I love cash. Okay, Alexis uses too much cash. I love cash. Always no. using cash. I, I never love carry cash. I, I, I do. Honestly, I love cash, too, but that's weird. Why? But, okay. you, can't, you can't get your tax credit. I can't get cash. points on it. Well, you can't get <laughs> points, and then you can't. I just, I just yeah, like... Yeah, but she can't be traced, though. It's yeah. just... But cash no, is just catching. faster. 
cats, but I just love cash. It's easier. I don't. Anyways. All right. So there's $40,000 to $50,000 in cash in the store safe. And it's now becoming clear that Carter, she had worked for American Eagle for a bunch of years. And she would have been familiar with the amount of sales like anybody would be. You know, obviously, the biggest sales would have been Black Friday. The whole reason why it's called Black Friday is because that you get into the black you were in the red and then the store was in the red which means that they were they were showing a loss black friday is they get into the black when that's you, where when that you talk about, term yeah, that, came that's, from yeah what i didn't do, know what that do you, what do you think it was did you know that i don't really care about it so no <laughs> i also you thought did. it was like about the black parade no we didn't think because we don't care i okay. <laughs> i wish it was no i honestly have never thought about it before all right that's so while, i'm uh, really weird it's a weird I'm really, thing i'm jealous of your knowledge but uh-huh. also not because that's Google useless it. information i'm googling it because that doesn't seem right it is it is look at it look it up okay all right so while the police question each of them it seemed that Carter and David, their their stories were not matching up. And remember that the police had been conducting surveillance on them for days. So they had all this footage of them. And it, it was all contradicting all the stories that they were telling them. So they, they were obviously lying. Right. Carter denied being at the mall that morning and denied trying to enter the store, even though when you look at the surveillance tapes... They show her fumbling with keys. She's fumbling with keys trying to get into the store. Jesus Christ. Like, dude, no. All right. Well, before I start my little thing, Billy was right. So, (laughs) surprise. (laughs) Surprise. So, another thing that the investigators uncovered was that surveillance surveillance footage of Carter at a Home Depot buying two shovels, a rope, bungee cords, a pair of gloves, and a tarp. On November twenty first, two thousand fourteen, which was a week before Ashley was found and killed. Yeah, not yeah, not good. Like you got, I mean, uh, we we see this. How many times have we done? We probably this is like the fourth or fifth time that we've had this. And then the things in the trunk. Also, just a order visual it. guide of how to lockpick a car. Like, just order the shit on Amazon. No, I mean no, Amazon's that, just as bad. No, that's Alexis. just as bad too. Come on, Listen, Alexis. But if you're doing you're so this, you might this. as well. <laughs> Is all I'm saying. They're that bad at it. Like, have it delivered to your home then. I don't know. <laughs> By the way, Amazon is now a new sponsor of our... Yeah, no, yeah. no, you 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 borrow the stuff, I think, is what you do. From who? I don't know. You buy it... Uh, you in, have somebody else buy it for you. I don't know why yeah. we're helping people commit crime. Will you buy something be. from... No. no. Really? Can I send you a to-do list? But no. it just... It really... It goes back to how fucking dumb are you that you're going to, like... <laughs> Okay. Anyways, so they buy all this bullshit on Am- or on Amazon at Home Depot. <laughs> we wish it was Amazon. Um, so everything's obviously looking really bad for them. Everybody was floored that it seemed like they actually were plotting this murder, and the whole thing seemed to be motivated motivated by money. And this seems super horrific, but it gets worse. So it turns out that both Carter and Davis pr- David previously worked at a different American Eagle at a store nearby in Abilene, Texas. This is actually the store they had met and they had started dating. So David ended up being fired from that store as well after missing three straight shifts without contacting that's store his, managers. That's his MO. That, yeah, we have talked about. Like, right. Dumb fucking move. Um, and after he was fired, he was transferred to the Holland Mall store where Ashley had worked and that's where everything had taken place. So 
Carter had secretly hired David. She switched his first name with his middle name and then also switched the two digit two digits of his social security number so that he could be hired at the store without people realizing it was the dude who had been fired from the sister store weeks earlier. Right. That's and crazy. I wanna just I wanna just make that super clear. So Carter was the manager of the Albaline store. When she got transferred to the Holland store, she wanted her boyfriend to come with her. So he had been fired because he didn't show up. So she's the one who manipulated all these numbers. Right. And dark shit. But anyways, so that's when they became a couple. But another side note is that it's... Also, do you really need to work with your boyfriend? Like, dude. Also, it's against our policy to do so. So um, I don't actually know why she switched from that Albaline store to the Holland store. But I think it had something to do with it. Yeah. And they were having a lot of tolerance for her bullshit and like decided to just transfer her instead of firing her. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she fucked them over in that like, yeah, she really fucked them over. Listen, yeah. I don't want to work with my boyfriend, but I'm going to hire him under a different name, <laughs> even though he's been fired. Dude. And it was only weeks. It was, it was like weeks later that this large robbery occurred that uh, Ashley noticed right. and, and turned them in for. So anyways, the investigation is continuing. The text messages are coming to light and coming to the surface and the police are pulling all of them and seeing what the hell these people are saying to each other. So it turns out that the second plot involved these two planning to rob the Albaline store that they both formerly worked at. So their phone traffic showed that they were staking out the store less than two weeks before Ashley was slain. And while they were there they exchanged a bunch of incriminating text messages and they were able to prove this with you know gps and all that shit and proving where these text messages were sent and received so in their text messages on 10 45 p.m on one day david wrote to carter there's no way this place doesn't have a back door carter responded i haven't seen the little blank manager come to the back yet Blank means an expletive, you know, Um, and these are obviously um, pulled from the court documents. So I don't know. So maybe I just missed him. I found their back door. It comes out really close to the only place with cameras. And then shortly before, I guess, 6 p.m. the next day, Carter told David that she had found the back door, blah, blah, blah. They were basically plotting to figure out how to rob this store. And later, when she was in custody, Carter told the police that she believed David was having a sexual relationship with another assistant manager at the Zabaline location, which prompted her to take pictures of the assistant manager's car. And there were texts proving that she planned to slash her tires, retaliate towards this person. And they were essentially likely plotting to do to this manager what they ended up doing to Ashley, which is Jesus insane. Yeah. I mean, the chances are like one in a million that these kind of people find each other, but we hear about it all the time about killer couples. And I think it, maybe there was some manipulation there. Maybe one of them convinced the other, but I feel like to go through with something this, this dark, you have to, you have to be kind of almost there already by yourself. You have to have that hatred and that willingness. And maybe that other person just kind of gives you 
the extra push you need, but I definitely think that they both, you know, probably would have done something like this on their own. So on December 5th, they've had enough. They got enough to make an arrest. David's taken into custody at his, uh, at a private residence in Amarillo by the marshal service without incident. He's booked into Potter County jail, transported to Fort Worth police homicide unit to be interviewed by detectives. The police also suspect that Carter and David to be great flight risk because they didn't have any ties to Fort Worth, but to actually Amarillo and Lubbock. So the Texas Department of Motor Vehicles records show that at least one vehicle each in Mallory's and Cervantes's names. Carter and David. So Texas Department of Motor Vehicles. Texas Department of Motor Vehicles records show that at least one vehicle in each of Carter and David's names are registered at addresses in Amarillo. On December 6th. Carter and David. Carter. Is it Carter? Carter and David are their names. Just oh. No, no, no. But Carter was Cervantes. taken in. Carter, yeah. Cervantes, Cervantes, David, okay. Mallory. On December 6th, Carter is taken into custody by Tarrant County deputies and transported to the Fort Worth jail. So here's what police theorized what happened. They believe that Carter and David, they essentially stalked Ashley Harris. And they zeroed in on a time, a window of time, when they thought she, that she would be most, most vulnerable, which was around the time of the Black Friday rush. And then they either break into Ashley's apartment and they hid, or they waited for her to get home and then they ambushed her while she was sort of, you know, opening the door, or maybe they walked in when, when she was asleep. Then they kill her, they take her keys, and they're going to take those keys and take them to the American Eagle store and then rob the store with the safe. And as they're planning this murder slash robbery, they're also plotting to do something similar to, at the Abilene store. So David and Carter are charged with capital murder, but for whatever reason, the prosecutors decided not to seek the death penalty against either of them. The prosecutor was appalled over the heinousness of the crime and was quoted saying, there are no good murders, but at least there are some that you can understand. This was different. At a minimum, this took at least a month of planning. They stalked Ashley Harris like people stalk a deer. I'm pretty sure that they... They broke in whether they had to actually physically break in or not because she, if the door was open, I'm not sure. But um, I read that there was her friend had gone over there, with, like home with her, I guess, and that they went inside after the friend had left because her friend had said to the police that she left around whatever time and they went in after that. I assume that I think that might be the maybe that's kind of what the stalking like they you stalk a deer quote from that detective is in reference to that they really just they waited in the parking lot until she was alone they watched her apartment until her friend left so that they knew she was alone and that's when they went in and unsurprisingly as their trials approached the two of them started pointing fingers at each other when Carter got onto the stand to testify, she claimed that she was terrified of her co-defendant and live-in boyfriend and claimed that he was that she was raped when she did not do what he wanted. I mean, that was the 
truly the most pathetic thing I think I've ever seen in my life. I, like, yeah, it's the easiest defense is to blame the other person when there's more than one suspect and there's more than one person, you know, being tried for a crime. The easiest thing is to point fingers at the other one. And, you know, I think that this, you know, little, little girl, crying in the courtroom she thought that she would get pity and there's there's no pity to be had when there this is something that's just so gruesome yeah so this is i mean you see this kind of a lot you either see these people turning on each other or you see them standing united but this is particularly interesting so she immediately starts to just point the finger at him that he was the aggressor that it was all his fault and it was kind of uh, the prosecutors really believe that she was the mastermind. So this is kind of the, the stance her defense took. So this is her version of events. So I'm not going to say it allegedly her version until I'm done. This is her version of events until we're done and we say otherwise. So Carter said that she cooked when she was walking through the events of those couple of days. She said that on Thanksgiving, she cooked a traditional Thanksgiving dinner and David that day got drunk. Then they watched movies, smoked weed, and then she got sick. It was still daylight at that time. And then she claimed to know nothing of the slang. She was asleep the entire time in the apartment that she shared with David. And then she said, I laid down and when I woke up, it was dark and David was there. And her both hands on the clock were pointed at five. I went to bed and went to sleep. Then I was woken up by David and he said I needed to get ready to go to Claiborne and he wanted me to pack. So then they went to Claiborne, which is a neighboring town. They rented a motel room and this was November 28th. But later that day, David had her drive to the Hullin Mall while he toyed with a nine millimeter Glock handgun that he held in his lap. So he was in the car with her during this drive. She said that he then put the gun in her face and tried to make her steal money from the store. David threatened to hurt her parents and relatives if she did not do what she was told. So at this point, you know, when she didn't do what she was told, they returned to their apartment where she claims David's friends raped her repeatedly. She claimed that the first time David pointed the gun at her, she flinched. He laughed. He asked if I thought he would shoot me. I said, no. He said, you don't know me, but I know you. And then he called out her grandmother's name and address, her brother's address, and the address of her parents. He forced her at gunpoint to recount the day's events, almost testing her like, are the police if the police question you, you know, what are you, what's your story? Like just testing her. But she didn't really know what happened. He then said, there are people who are meaner than me following you. And claimed just her boyfriend threatened her throughout this entire process. So Carter said that they went back to the Hewland Mall and David gave her what looked like the keys to American Eagle and said, change your clothes. And then she said, I'm not going into the mall. And he said, 
you don't understand. This is a quote This is from her when she's saying that he, he told her. You don't understand. There's someone sitting outside your parents' house. And if you don't go, I'm going to kill them. And I'm going to kill you. So he keeps threatening her over and over and over again. And he made her repeat the events of the day, to, I guess, to get the story straight. And while she was talking, he seemed, David seemed calm. But when she paused, he would pick up the Glock and then point it to her again and say, you know, get the story straight. So they left the Hewlin Mall. And after a while, David had Carter drive to Walmart. And he said, on the way to Walmart, he told me, this is what she said, on the way to Walmart, he told me I needed to get some dark sweats and some shoes that I could run in. Then he brought her to the mall to do the robbery before saying, yeah, you better come out alone or I'll kill everyone you love. So, of course, the prosecution is asking her, why didn't you just run away if you were so scared? And Carter's excuse is that she believed that, the, that, that he was going to harm her family. Right. The store was crowded. She was seeing people everywhere that looked threatening. Yeah. Okay, I'm going. Sorry. No. So even if she had gone in, the locks would have been changed and her key did not work. So when she returned to the car, she claims that David took her back to their apartment and someone pushed her down the floor as she walked in. She heard a voice that she didn't recognize saying, I'll make her follow directions. I've already dug your grave. And then someone took off her sweatpants and raped her. After the first rape, she tried to crawl away. But before she could, she was raped again three more times before someone pulled her into the kitchen and told her to cover herself. She claimed that the door opened and closed a couple times, but she did not look up to see who her assailants were. The next morning, David asked her if she had a good night. Then David said, you're going to go back and do it again. And then she said, I heard two people talking who said that they haven't dropped it yet. We're going to take her back and make her do it again. Again, this is her side of the defense. This is, what this she's is the saying. defense's side. Right. So we're saying. not saying this is true or not. Just, yeah. We're just saying what each side is saying. So the prosecutors, they had more text evidence. And one text that David sent to Carter were two sets of coordinates that led police to this shallow hole on a ranch in Lorders, which is this, uh, it's about 35 miles away from North Abilene. And the Fort Worth, Worth police detective who investigated the case, he said that he thought the, the hole was actually meant to be a grave for Ashley. I think that's the hardest thing to wrap my head around is, is that they they didn't just want to steal from her. You know, it's, it's easy to, you know, they followed her. They easily could have mugged her, beat her up, stolen her keys with masks on and, you know, Maybe they wouldn't, I mean, they probably still would have gotten caught, but maybe they wouldn't have gotten caught that way. But it, how, why did they find it so necessary to actually kill her? And from reading, I, I read that there was, they had dug a grave miles away. Like maybe they thought it was going to be easier to get her body out to that shallow grave that they dug. Uh, and maybe at the last minute they decided that they were just going to set fire to the apartment. That shows some real planning. Like they really, truly must have hated her to have to, to want to go to that extent. And, you know, it's, 
it's easy to to steal money, but I think this was about so much more than that. I think they were they were really just out to get revenge for being fired. And they weren't even arrested for that. They didn't have it on their record. It didn't go anywhere. So they weren't in jail. They weren't really in any sort of trouble aside from getting fired from American Eagle. But Carter and her defense team, they said there was another narrative for this. She said that the hole that David had dug for Carter, she, um, should she refuse to cooperate? So what what they were saying was that this is where I'm going to bury you if you don't do what I'm telling you to right. do. Which is interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I believe Carter's involved, but I'm just, I always play devil's advocate. Yeah, yeah. So remember, Carter said, David had said, I've already dug your grave. Mm-hmm. Whether this was all concocted in the in the defense room or whether this is real, you don't know. But it's interesting, you know. Totally. And she said, I was scared. I was too afraid to talk. David apparently said, you're so stupid. You don't even know what I was planning. I texted you a picture of where I was going to bury you. Look at your phone. And apparently there were, actually was not only the coordinates, but also a picture of the grave on Carter's phone. Jesus. But these, I mean, what I don't know is if these, te- I mean, he said, this is a t- tricky. It's not like he texted her, look at your phone, I'll fucking kill you. Here's yeah. that. Yeah. That's why, you know, whenever I talk about something sketchy in my life, everyone's like, just call. Yeah. <laughs> don't email. Yeah. Don't, don't, leave, don't, a, text. don't leave a texting just call. evidence. Because yep. then it's. No, that that's just call. Just call. Because yeah. you don't know inflection. You don't know. You don't know uh, uh, sarcasm. Yeah. No, yeah. no, not about that. No record. Or no record. Oh, oh, if that's where you're going. Yeah. Unless somebody's bugging your phone. But with, it's not. They're not. But it's just, the thing is, is that like there's unless you're on FBI, like unless your calls yeah. are being recorded, calling's always the move. Mostly because you could be like, hey, between me and you, this. Yeah. It, this is just for harmless work shit. <laughs> they're always like, hey, just just call, though, because like. Then there's not like a track record. Your ass is kind of covered. Yeah. Um, But anyways, the prosecutor in this case urged the jury not to buy into what Carter's defense and what Carter was saying. So they essentially believe that Carter was the not only involved, but the mastermind of the entire plot. And they stated that Carter had a lot of lies to remember. And jurors had this important but not terribly difficult decision to make in that they need to know when they're being lied to. And for quotes, for a person who is capable of beating someone to death, strangling them in their own home, lying is not a big deal. Mm. And I'm not letting David off the hook. Um, but imagine the horror. Someone is probably sitting on you while Someone else is taping up your hands and then your ankles. They slash your throat. And then when you're finally dead, they set your place on fire. There are a lot of people at her apartment complex, which says a lot about the defendants in this case. So he's saying, like, not only was it against her, they set it on fire. They were willing to sacrifice anyone in this building Mm -hmm. for their their selfishness. And he said, I will prosecute David. And obviously, this was at Carter's trial. I will prosecute David. But he's not the first man to be manipulated by an older woman. And there's something to that. And I think eventually, I mean, I don't think, but eventually Carter was found guilty of her involvement 
and she was sentenced to life in prison without parole in May 2016. They had this all planned out, their planners. You know, they they had this whole theft and murder for Ashley planned out for like a month. And so they knew what they were doing. There was time for, if one of them wanted out, there was time to get out, there was time to get help. And neither of them did any of that. They planned it. The original theft, the security cameras be damned, they, she had it all planned. She left the back door open. Um, she stole the key from somebody else. And they, they had it all planned out. They knew exactly what they were doing. And that was the case, again, with the Black Friday murder. They knew what they were doing. They planned it out carefully. They obviously didn't think of everything. Um, they didn't think about the fact that she would be found so quickly and that they would notice that her keys were stolen. And so they, they clearly didn't think of everything, but they still took the time to plan this all out. And that is just, to me, a mark of somebody who's manipulative and, and sociopathic and they don't care about the effects they have on anyone else. I do think that they're manipulative individuals that know how to work people. So David was also found guilty along with Carter, and he was automatically sentenced to life life in prison without the possibility of parole. So he was 22 and she was 28. They are never seeing the light Their of day ever again. Their lives are ruined. They're done. They're done. Like, was oh, it worth so it? so awful. Yeah. Jesus Christ. And Ashley's family spoke to the media and they said that our personal preference would have been that they both would have been executed, would be executed, but the state made the decision to not pursue the death penalty. The overall lack of a criminal history and Mallory's age at the time the crime was committed contributed to that decision, I'm sure. So I was surprised, though, that it was a capital case where they did not seek the death penalty. Um, So I had to kind of look into why that was. I asked some of my professors if they had experience with um, cases like that because my professors um, had you know, been active and, and worked in the forensic community and, and gone to trials and stuff. So I was asking them if that was something that they had ever heard of to try to grasp that concept for myself. And um, given the the violence and the gruesomeness of this crime, I really think that they should have gone for the death penalty. Um, I am personally, I'm very back and forth on the death penalty. I learned a lot about both sides of the issue um, in some criminology classes that I took in college. And so I really am never definitive on it. But in this case, I just feel like they, they were so sure that they caught the right people and they treated her so horribly that I just feel like they don't deserve to live. And I think this is interesting. I wanted to make sure I brought this up because I had a teacher that, um, even though I'm undecided, I had a teacher that said something uh, in college that has really always stuck with me and I think kind of applies to this. And she said that I've seen too much to be against the death penalty. And I think that's really kind of hits home in this case because 
you know, if I just reading about what they did to her is is just so gut wrenching. I really couldn't believe that something like this happened to somebody that I know. It absolutely solidified my desire to work in the forensic field. Just having something like this so close, I just knew that this is where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. I wanted to help, you know, bring justice to to people and their families. Um, as somebody that works in forensic science, I just want people to know how hard it is to get away with murder of someone that you know. Every move that you make nowadays is recorded. You leave trace evidence everywhere you go. It's very difficult to to really get away with something nowadays. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I think one of the most important things here is like we have to kind of examine this crime in a few ways in that this is so greed driven and these guys are so mm-hmm. young and it's like they got away with one little they got away with one robbery and right. they got like thirsty yeah to want more greedy. and to want get to want to make it so much bigger yes and then the fact that they started plotting this whole thing with their manager ashley who's 31 i mean your whole life's before you um it's just so senseless it sucks it's so sad and if you watch uh you can look at some of their trial coverage they look like children like they have no idea what they've done. Yeah, I mean, there's a literal like. I, oftentimes, I say, "This is somebody that like, like when I'm talking about somebody that was a victim or talking about somebody that was um, a perp." And I often say, "Like this is somebody that could work in a, like you'd see at the mall." Yeah, yeah. I, I often say that, and right. this is literally like people person. that you can see at the mall. Yeah. yeah, this is a story of just it's greed. It really comes down to greed. And what did they need the money so much for? Nothing. Their infinity is their yeah, life. Exactly. And yeah. I mean, this girl, Ashley, was just beloved and suffered a horrible death. And I just can't imagine. No, it's just it's it's one of those things where you don't obviously understand the consequences of what you're doing. And you're so like tunnel visioned in thinking that this is going to answer whatever problems that you have. Not only that, Jack and I were talking about this. We were working earlier when we were not recording, and we're just like, we cannot believe people kill people. It's mind-blowing. For yeah. any reason. No, that's my... That's Even over even over love, even though it's no. passion But especially feels, this, where it's like there's no money? real connection. No, I, I talk uh, actually... Your book? Th- in, in my book. There's a lot in my book about this. <laughs> because, uh, Chase no, Darkness, look me out now. <laughs> it's... Like when you think about how hard it is to just wake up in the morning, right? And do all of your stuff. And then you look back at all the tests that you studied for and all the things that you saved for and all the relationships you tried to build and all of that over and over and over and over again. And then somebody can come by and just like that and take it all away. Yeah, That's what fucks with me the most. And that's why I do what I do. Yeah. Yeah. Billy's out there. Listen, Jack and I are with Billy and that we also... Don't kill people and don't want people to. <laughs> this is the one tie that we have as we've never killed somebody <laughs> yet. I'm just kidding. No, we're, I mean, this is why we do this. It's like every episode brings us one step closer. Maybe somebody who hears it is like, shit, I was considering robbing this store. I'm going to not do that now. You hope so. It's not That's worth why it. Or, I do this. Or, it's never fucking worth it. Or when, from it our, when, 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 when has it ever been It's never worth it, everyone. It? It's ever. nothing illegal is worth it ever. It's really no. not. Don't break the law. So it's our not encouragement good. is uh, work really hard as we've ha- we have. Live a dignified life. If you know of a crime, tell somebody. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, listen. 
life is really hard. It's even harder if you're committing crimes. Truly. Like, it just makes everything harder than your anxiety-ridden, like, do they know? Will I get caught? Do you want to live like that? I do. You already live like that. You don't commit crimes. I live like that, and I'm an honest person. It's burden only I should carry though <laughs> don't make it worse don't make it worse for yourselves by doing a crime okay well we're gonna end it there um if you guys are connected to happy librarian day we're not done yet oh, sorry. well do I mean follow us on Instagram at Jack Manic at Alexis Linkletter at Billy Jensen at the first degree and happy bucks day happy cheese pup day what happy is it cheese ball day cheese happy ball. librarian appreciation day <laughs> I was shocked, you know? They were always such a good team, so successful. But to do something like that? To exceed their budget? While being over budget might not be a crime, it can disrupt workflows. With Monday.com, you and the team can be sure that you're all in sync. All the data, latest updates, files, and budgets are visible to everyone, so you won't miss a thing. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com.